You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, hello. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited to be in the studio, but I have to say I'm a little sad because I'm not here with Heather, who's usually my my uh, trusty sidekick that takes care of me in all of these things here at KUCI, and I'm very thankful that uh, she's been with me for a full year, and I just, I couldn't have done it without her, so I'm really, I'm I'm, I'm a little sad, I have to admit, that she's not here, but uh, she'll show up later and, and pat me on the back, I'm sure. Uh, so, listen, if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And, I don't know, we just, we do some amazing things here, and I just, I want to pat KUCI on the back for a second, because we are in the middle of our pledge drive, and the pledge drive is that wonderful time of year where we ask you to thank us, and you th- can thank us in various different ways. You can give us a call and say, gee, thanks. You can pat us on the back, or you can pledge to keep KUCI going on the air. And there's so many easy ways to do it, but we just encourage you to give us a call. And you can do that very easily by calling uh, 949-824-5824. And just call in and pledge any amount. We are... We are thankful for any pat on the back, especially those that uh, remunerate us for our time and for all the volunteer hours that go into running the station. We have been on the air since 1968, and I don't want to give away my age or anything, but uh, I've been around that long. (laughs) And so very thankful for KUCI and all the people that have kept the station running 24 hours a day. It is no small task. Our station manager, Kevin, does an amazing job, and all of the volunteers here at the station just really, really keep it going. So so thank you, and thank you to you. Um, we're, we're really happy to be here, and so we want you to, to give us a call and let us know just how happy you are. Um, so enough said. I have been doing this show for a year now, and Real People OC is a way for me to give back to my community and highlight a few folks that you may not have met yet while wandering around your community. But the people in this community fascinate me. You know, the media footprint for Orange County, I think, is, is a little biased. And it's funny how they portray people here, but I find this culture here to be very rich and very diverse. And I... I feel lucky that the folks that I have met have brought that richness into my life, and I wanted to share that. I wanted, I wanted the community here in Orange County to think a little bit deeper about what we're accomplishing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weather's nice. We're happy to be here. Um, we're happy to go to the beach whenever we can, but there's really some serious folks here that devote their lives to some pretty interesting things. So, with that said, I'm going to introduce today's guests. I have two guests with me in the studio. I have Dan Wu and David Kanani. And I'm just so thankful. Dan, first of all, a little shout out to you for being one of my angels that goes out there in the community and helps me find people. You always find me such interesting folks, you yourself being one of them. And I know Dan in many capacities. At first, I know Dan as a father. 
and we met at a school where our children attended uh, together. And so this is just another way of the relationship blossoming and learning from each other and sharing what we know. And uh, Dan is a consultant, so he provides interim CFO uh, services, business development operations, and corporate finance and accounting to small and medium-sized businesses. That's what you do by the day, right, Dan? That's correct. Yes, that's what I do. I love it. (laughs) And, well, so the last time Dan was here at KUCI, it was to share one of his passions, and he spends a lot of time volunteering for nonprofits, and one of them specifically that you spend a lot of time and passion in is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's correct. And um, you have a big event coming up, don't you? Yes, we do. Um, I'm the walk chair for the annual Light the Night Walk that's uh, for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. There are 8,000 people that would be walking on Saturday, September 28th. So for anybody that wants to join, it's a, it's a beautiful event. And uh, last year we raised over a million dollars from 8,000 people for that walk. So it's, uh, it's a great event. And I encourage anyone who wants information to, to go to the uh, LLS website, lls.org, and find out uh, how you can participate. Okay, good. All right. And, you know, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society uh, is in existence because, you know, these diseases have affected a lot of our lives, many of us personally. So if you know anybody in this situation and you feel like they need, um, they need an outlet to go and put some energy and time, this is a great way to do it. Um, but Dan has brought to me uh, a really wonderful gentleman who's sitting in front of us. His name is David Kanani. And I brought David in because I wanted David to talk to us a little bit about something that we all need to think about. And it's not something that I started to think about until way too late in life. And, you know, it's funny. My mother will appreciate this. My mother was um, a bank teller. And for many years, she, she put us through school working in a bank and then rose to the ranks in her company and became an investment advisor as well. And so David is coming in to uh, let us all hear the things that my mother told me all those years but did not listen to. Sorry, Mommy. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, you know, college students, professors here on campus would really benefit from hearing, you know, this is an uncertain time. This is a time where people really don't have a lot of hope for their future because many people have, have lost that through the uh, down economy. And I think, I think having you here, David, is going to give us a little bit of insight as to what we can do to be more proactive in our lives. So um, with that said, I'll give you a little brief introduction if that's okay. Sure. Um, David is uh, a graduate from University of Louisville in finance way back in 1986. So he brings with us today 27 years of experience. And I met you through a little shout-out to Jane Kennedy over at the Orange County Business Journal. You were a nominee in the Excellence in Entrepreneurship. Uh, They just had their awards luncheon the other day, and it was neat to see all of the folks there in Orange County being celebrated because they worked so hard. Um, you also were awarded the Orange Coast Magazine's Five Star Wealth Manager of 2013. So you're certainly well qualified to be here to talk to us today. Thank so welcome. You. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Good. Now, I, I have to poke a little fun. You have a bit of an accent. We can get into that later. But um, when, I was, when I was going over David's bio and I said, University of Louisville, right? And you corrected me. You want to say what you said? Louisville. 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 <laughs> Which is funny because you don't have a Kentucky accent, but you tried to say it nonetheless with one and it was priceless. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, David. Wonderful. Well, um, I've been in the financial services business for now 27 years. Uh, this is something that it started to me out from right out of college, 
and um, I at the beginning basically you f do what you're told and follow the rules and then after a few years you kind of catch what all this thing is about and uh, I've been involved in all aspects of financial planning starting from the life insurance side estate planning and now we're into more of a retirement planning tax savings programs income planning and so <clears throat> primarily in our firm right now we the the individuals we help are if you would as a whole mostly people who are either retired or close to retirement however we don't send anyone away if there is a younger person that is just starting out needs some tips on how to get started we also help them also how to get started in investing specifically savings, or investing savings, exactly yeah. the discipline of saving is the, the hardest part of the whole thing here well let uh, Talk, t let's talk about that because I, I spent a good 25 years not listening to my mother about the discipline of saving. So, <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. She'll appreciate me admitting that publicly. Yeah, anyway. yeah. It's learning about the magic of compound interest. Um, as a finance major, I learned about those formulas that calculate the present value and future value of time value of money. But it was not only someone actually, not until someone really put that on a board for me where I saw the power of compounding. So the main thing when you, want, when you start out any type of a savings program is how disciplined you have to be to put that money aside on a regular basis. So the rule of thumb is 10%. So whatever amount of income that comes in weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, annually, you need to be disciplined to put that 10% aside in a place that you're not going to touch it. Eventually, that money grows to be a pot of money, maybe 5000 10000 and then we can do something more um, productive with that money, per se, putting it into a portfolio or a mutual fund or what have you. So first, we want to have some basic foundation to begin with, and that starts with a very strict discipline of putting that money aside on a regular basis. Now, so 10% doesn't really sound like a lot. Why is that so hard for people? You put your finger right on the nail. That's exactly the point. It's that it's not hard, but we don't do it. And, uh, kind of like exercise? Yeah. So initially, if you imagine, if someone is getting paid $500 every two weeks as a starting point, or even less, 10% of that is only 50 bucks. So then after six months... Um, six, they have maybe $300. So that 50 bucks might have really hurt to put that money aside. Maybe it took away from a movie, going out to the movie or a dinner. But then after six months, you're saying, I went through all this pain and all I have is $300. So it's that first few years that takes a lot of discipline. Then that $300 becomes $1,000 and $1,500. And then it kind of feeds on itself Hopefully, by that time, we've created that habit to keep putting that money away and building that uh, structure there. So, it's really a habit. Exactly. That you're saying. Exactly. That you're trying to instill at a young age. So, do you talk to your kids about this, or your son about this, Stan? Yeah. In fact, um, I have talked to my son, Brandon, about this. And he's in the Boy Scouts, so we just had a very recent good experience in that. One of the merit badges is called personal management. And it's a 13-week um, savings and uh, spending kind of learning experience where they're, you know, they're learning to, you know, uh, take the money that they've earned either from uh, maybe from gifts or from allowance, and they're learn they're learning how to budget that money. And the first thing is exactly what David said. In fact, 
the 10% is exactly what we shot for. We, we were shooting for. So Brandon would put 10% right off the bat, all the money. It would go 10%, 10%. So after 13 weeks, I mean, he's gotten a very good uh, foundation in regard to saving. It's a discipline, and uh, it starts at the kid's level. Right, and it's it's nice to see people do that at a young age. I just had the conversation with my 12-year-old son. He was about to come into some money because it was his birthday, and, you know, the cards usually come with a little something in them these days. And it was funny. I, he got it backwards, though, and I wasn't going to correct him. <laughs> Sorry, son, if you listen to this. He said, Mom... I want you to put everything away and then just give me 10%. <laughs> <laughs> and job. I thought, you know what, let's try that. He goes, because mom, I can't just go cold turkey. I have to have some money or I'll go crazy. And so so we've put everything away but 10% that he gets to go spend willy-nilly. And then, you know, he, he keeps wanting some, you know, an iPad or whatever he wants. And it changes every week. But you can't get there without some of these disciplines. So so this is this is what we, we want to train the train the young people sure. but on a wider level so where does that get you when so, you so progress then when you progress hopefully now by the time you've graduated from college you start your first job you immediately want to participate in a any retirement program that your employer offers typically it's a 401k program which uh, it's a very nice way of dollar cost averaging uh, the term dollar cost averaging means that every two weeks you're putting a certain amount of money from your paycheck into an investment portfolio provided by your employer. And that by itself, it kind of feeds on itself. And so, uh, and usually most employers now match the dollar for dollar or a percentage of what you contribute. So that's free money that that employee has available to them. So a 401k would be, again, a step one to start into putting some money away for retirement. Obviously, what the tax benefits are, that money goes in pre-tax, which is wonderful. That means they don't pay any tax on the money they put aside. Secondly, that money grows tax-deferred during the compounding years, during the growth years. So hopefully, by retirement age, which you have to wait till 59 and a half before you take any money out from mm -hmm. those without any penalties, by that time, 60, 65, there is just hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions have been generated if someone really did that on a disciplined basis okay so right now i am in the studio with david kanani and dan Wu, and both of them are with kanani advisory group and we're talking about some financial products that you might consider participating in early in life and uh, the one you just mentioned is the 401k. Do Is it typical? Like, is there some reasons why somebody would not, they would shy away from participating in a 401k? Just lack of education. Uh, okay. Honestly, that would be, uh, when you're starting out, that first paycheck is kind of new to you. Everything is generally new. A career is new. So a 401k and thought of putting money for retirement, putting money away for retirement is not a main priority. But again, if, if they have the bounty of sitting down with someone and ex that person explaining that, hey, this is free money that you're missing out on, and look what this could grow to be many, many years down the road, that will be a very, very educational thing for that person. Is there a minimum amount, a percentage amount that you have to contribute of your paycheck? Uh, not really. I mean, um, I, I just 
generally they're minimal amounts. I mean, if it's tied into a percentage of your paycheck, so it, it could be as little as 1% mm, okay. uh, is, as you can put aside. Not enough to completely take a large chunk no, of your paycheck no. away. So no real good reasons exactly. to shy away from these products. Exactly. Okay. What are some other ones? Another very attractive uh, tool that our dear government gave to us in 1997 are Roth IRAs. Many have probably have heard about Roth IRAs. The beauty of Roth IRAs are, now it doesn't help your taxes today. It, it's after-tax money, but that money grows tax-deferred, and it can be taken out tax-free at retirement or after age 59 and a half. That's another huge, powerful tool to save for retirement because when we help our clients, the retirees, one of the biggest challenges they have is that after a certain number of years, let's say they've done a great job, they put that money away, now they're 65, 70 years old, and they don't need the money, but at age 70 and a half, the government is going to require them to take a required minimum distribution, where they have to pay taxes that they don't want to pay. So a Roth IRA, that money grows tax-free basically forever for the client himself, for the individual, for the spouse, and for their loved ones if they leave that money to. Okay. Now, with a 401k, there are no minim, uh, minimum amounts that you can contribute to that. You can put as much into your 401k as you want. Um, does, do you get to a certain point, let's say you hit it big in your career and you're doing really well, do you get to a certain point where a 401k is not the best place to put it and you want to start thinking about some other vehicles? These are retirement programs that are restricted by the maximum allowable by IRS that we can fund. Uh, for example, with Roth IRAs, it's $5,000 a year. Uh, 401ks, it depends. Uh, so uh, the answer is really if you have a huge windfall, you're limited by these tools anyways. Okay. You have to go elsewhere to put money, and those will be taxable accounts generally. Okay. Um, we, we put on our, our prep list uh, ones that should be avoided investments. Can we talk a little bit about sure, some of those? Sure, sure. Uh, throughout my years of experience, uh, you know, one of the, bounties that I've had in the 27 years, I've seen three market cycles. One was 1987, uh, one was the 2000-2001 era, which everybody knows will the, the tech bubble kind of burst, right. and then recently, or most recently, 2008, where the average investor lost 30 to 40, or maybe some 50% of their portfolio. That's right. So you need to control risk as an overall picture of what financial tools you're using. But some of the things that come to mind is options. You want to be really, really know what you're doing when you deal with options because you could lose your shirt and then some. Let's explain what that is. Well, options is basically using some of the strategies in the stock market by having the uh, options of uh, methods of puts and calls, which are very, very complicated, and, and you need to be very savvy, very educated, and frankly, even um, uh, as 27 years being in the business, I'm not even specialized in that area, because you're taking advantage of the volatility of the market to make money or to lose a lot of money. Right. So let's suffice it to say that stay away from options unless you know what you're talking about. Okay. For a Good advice. For a starter, when you're investing in mutual funds, Fees are the biggest thing that can eat away from your growth. So initially, what I would recommend is if you, if you really want to be aware of what you're doing and do a little bit of reading, you want to maybe look into no-load funds. 
funds that you don't have to pay unnecessary excessive loads or charges. So fees are very important. Okay. And then I put down uh, penny stocks. <clears throat> Many times you hear from a friend of a friend that, hey, there's a stock that if you invest so much money, in about six months, it's going to be a million dollars. Stay away from I've that stuff. I've done that. Very good. So stay away <laughs> from that stuff. It's just another form of being in Las Vegas and gambling, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and the other extreme of it is once you have a substantial amount of savings, then you want to put that money to work for you. Obviously, putting in the bank today in a savings account, you're going backwards because the interest rates are so low that that money is not working for you. Might as well put it in heaven in your mattress. Okay. All right. Um, any others that we should avoid? I think that should generally cover it all. Okay, foreign bonds and junk bonds we talked about. Yeah. Um, all right, well, so your job at Kanani mm. Advisement Group, every, every financial planner has a thing that they focus on. What do you focus on? Well, good, great question. There are three things that we focus. When, when anyone that comes through our doors, there's three things that we focus, and that's on our website also. One is reviewing their tax return. We, we actually have our clients bring their tax returns because their tax return is the x-ray to us as a physician that will use an x-ray to see where the problem areas are. So okay. we can, by looking at the tax return, we can see where the client is paying unnecessary taxes on money they're not using. And perhaps we can take that money and put it into a more of a tax-advantaged account tax-deferred, tax-free, or tax-managed accounts. Okay. So that's one, one area. The second area is with the advent of the baby boomers retiring, more and more people are retiring with their 401ks. The days of having those nice pensions are going away. So um, income planning becomes a big component of what we do. We're living longer and longer, and so the number one concern of our clients are, I don't want to outlive my money. So how, we, how can we provide a plan that that income will be there for both the husband and wife for the rest of their life? Okay. And the third is controlling their risk. If, if they come in and they're very nervous about the amount of risk they're taking, we have an analysis that we do. We have actually a neat program that our back office will do for us where we call stress testing their portfolio. Nice. That, that does two things. One is evaluates the fees that they're paying all the hidden charges. Uh, we have a neat software that will expose all of that. Secondly is we're going to put it onto a standard deviation and look at, okay, if things go good, great. Here's how, how it's going to look. But what if we have another 2008? How is this portfolio going to react in a 2008? And then how do you feel about that? So you have a software that runs the scenario in, um, a, let's call it a crisis market? Exactly. Oh, that's fascinating. Exactly. That's very and our, helpful. Our clients love that because I, I get a kick out of when I look at their faces, when they see that, oh my God, I didn't know this could happen to me again. So, you know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't know if we're going to have another 2008 or not, but the probability is very high that we could. Okay. And I think people have very short memories. Oh, you know, right boy, now the market is the market is going great right now, you know, and for the last year plus or so. And uh, sometimes it's kind of interesting because a client will come into um, David's office and our office, and um, they'll you know some some of because of what uh, David does, a lot of the uh, clients are retirees, and we try to protect and preserve their assets. And 
you know, they'll start off talking about the market, and it's kind of one of those things that we have to try to continue to educate. I mean, the market goes up, it's going to come down. There's a, you know, and, and we just have to be very aware and think about, you know, not getting kind of lost in the fact that, you know, the market's going great now and, you know, jump into the market and, you know, put all your money there. Right. It's an interesting time because, you know, I wrote down the dates of those, like you said, you had the bounty of those three experiences where you saw the market turn. Uh, The first one for you being in 87, and then the amount of time gap between that and the next one to 2000 was significantly greater than the one that came third, which was 2008. So uh, it's too little data to make a trend, but you could see where we we could start to see a compression of time and these, these downturns in the market are happening more more um more more uh quickly yes speaking of trends um we do regular financial workshops and in my workshops i talk about the trend because we've seen uh, the dow jones if you just look at the dow jones industrial average which is the largest 33 stocks in the um, stock market from around the uh, 1920s uh, right before the crash uh, that happened in the 30s during the depression era the Dow at that time, believe it or not, was at 200, okay? Mm-hmm. We're over 14,000-some today. Wow. It was at 200. It went up to 400. Then we had the depression. It crashed. But it took about 18 years for the market to just get back to the number 200. Oh, my goodness. Then we had what we call the 40s and 50s. That was post-World War II when the baby boomers were being born. Uh, manufacturing was still king in this country. Baby boomers were being born. Everything was going great. Well, the market did wonderful. So we had a trend of about 18 to 20 years that the market took an upside. Then from about 1966 to 1982, that was what we call the 70s. For most listeners, I don't know if they were born then or not, but for those that were here, (laughs) high gas prices, high interest rates, unemployment, the market did nothing. We had a period of about 18 years of nothing. Just flat. Then we had the 80s and 90s. That's what most people remember. Those were the two decades back to back where the Dow Jones Industrial Average had double digit returns. So we had a nice 20 year run of double digit returns until year 2000. Well, we all know the bubble burst. Well, if you track the Dow Jones until about six months ago, because we've had a great run in the market in the last six months, until six months ago, we've had no growth from mm-hmm. year 2000. So if you see the trend from about 1920s, we had a level market and up market. A level market in the 70s and up in the 80s and 90s. And then in 2000, we had a level market. So it's a very nice trend that if you follow that pattern, we truly believe that we could see another at least seven years of volatility. Volatility in a positive way? Or no, meaning no? that we're not buying the story that this market is going to keep it's going stable. up. Mm-hmm. It could go down and it could go up, meaning mm-hmm. that really when you look at that trend of that 20 years, we haven't had much of a return in our money. Okay. So if you're just tuning in, we have David Kanani and Dan Wu, both with the Kanani Advisory Group, and we're here talking about um, trends in the financial market, but also really tools that uh, Kanani Advisory Group gives its clients to help um, manage their risk, but more importantly, to look at what their portfolio would do in a risky um, economy. And I'm fascinated by that. 
is is this tool new for your industry? Well, so so following that thought, before I get everyone so depressed, I was just about <laughs> to be <laughs> <laughs> that there's no place to go. Where we specialize in is that where can we what tools can we use and it's just really not one product it's it's a process what strategies can we use that we do make money in a volatile market because if that's what the expectation is then how am i going to win because if i put my money in the bank i'm not earning anything and if what you're saying david comes true i'm not going to win in the stock market so what strategies can we use and that's where our specialty comes in that give our clients a steady return of anywhere from four to six percent to uh, see a, um, subst- uh, not a substantial, but a steady growth on their money. Okay. All right. So, um, I- I'm curious. Well, I had, we had prepared some questions to help the student population. Let's get into a couple of those while, we, while we're Wonderful. here. Wonderful. Um, one of them would probably be big on a young person's mind is purchasing a car. And I asked in our, our questions if buying a new car was considered an investment or even a good investment? Let's talk about that. Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of chuckling on that. And uh, the point is, when I was young, when I first started my career in the financial services, I was started to make good money and I went and bought that new car. And so the point is, a lot of what I've learned today has been from the experience of my clients, the savers. So the answer to your question is no. Buying a car is not a good investment. So generally what I would recommend is to be patient. Buy a car that is maybe a few years older. It's still under warranty. That it's already depreciated. And and get something that will get you from point A to point B. But it would be attractive enough. And it would be comfortable for you. That it would be something you're proud of. You you don't want to get a clunker either. Uh, But do not. Do not go and buy a brand new car and go to the limit as far as paying those monthly payments. You know, it's funny. I, I, I think I've purchased one brand new car and I ached the entire time I did it. It just, it killed me. But, you know, all the way before and all the way since, used cars and I've had really good luck in that way. Exactly. But um, I, I don't know how to answer the question of to lease or to buy. Can you help us with that one? You know, that's a tough one because there are some s- such attractive programs with leases now that um, I have to admit, in the last two cars that I bought, I started leasing. And the other reason is if you're using your car a lot, you're putting a lot of miles on it, leasing would not be an option because as most people know, there's limitation on miles on leases. But if you're not using your car for maybe... Uh, less than 12,000 miles a year, you're just getting around the neighborhood, leasing could be a a viable option because you're not investing that money up front. You're, not, you're putting your money to work as a lump sum, if you will, in an investment. And with leasing, they got lease programs for brand new cars for less than $200 a month. So even you, financial planner, works it out into your mind to where sometimes a lease is a good way to go. Yeah, and then on the other hand, if you're one that really keeps your cars, you take good care of it and you change your oil and you really, really have got good luck with that car, maybe buying and holding that car would be good because after it's depreciated, now every mile is a return on your money. That's right. So that's the other side of the coin there. Okay. Um, so we talked about a car. The next one, especially with this, you know, what we've learned in real estate lately, is buying a house a good investment anymore? You know, th- th- that's an interesting one also. Your home is not an investment. 
we always have to have shelter. We gotta have a roof over our head. So many times people view their home as an investment, and I, and I have an issue with that. Now, investing in real estate could be a wonderful thing, but um, whether I should go and buy a large enough house because eventually it's gonna appreciate, and then I'm just gonna try to put everything I got to pay off that mortgage, I don't know if that's such a good idea. That's putting too many eggs in one basket. And at the end of the day, I hope this doesn't happen to anyone. I, do, I personally would not love to be in a situation where I have to sell my home to generate retirement income. Right, because that's that probably happened a lot in this most recent downturn. Exactly. And it wasn't a good time to sell either. But aside from your home, investing in real estate could be very wise. Okay. What kinds of investments? You know, that depends on the individual. Uh, I've had many, many, well, even backing up, most of my high net worth clients, they have real estate in one way or another. It could be residential. Well, then you have to be patient to put up with tenants and all the headaches that goes with that. Right. It's a slow process. But after a number of years, you suddenly are building a nice net worth. And then, of course, there's commercial real estate that you could get involved there. It takes more capital, more risk. But all in all, if you know what you're doing or if you're partnering with someone that knows what they're doing, real estate could be wonderful. So we're still saying it's a good time to invest in real estate then? I, definitely. Definitely. Okay. I, we put on our list as some of the little-known tricks of the super wealthy. Are you willing to share some of those? Yeah. You know, uh, a few years ago, or I should say many years ago, I read a book called The Millionaire Next Door. Yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with that or most of your readers mm -hmm. are, but when you read that, you see that the super wealthy were not very sophisticated. They just did some of the things that we talked about earlier. So the first one is they saved money. They didn't spend any money for beyond their means. So they were not spenders. They were savers. And then after a number of years where this money, again, we talked about that earlier, came to a sizable amount, and that's depending on everyone's situation is different, then they started diversifying that nest egg into different investments, and then it just feeds on itself. Okay. So looking back on your life, Dan, I want you to do this for me too. What were some of the things you did right and some of the things you did wrong? Uh-oh, some eyes are rolling in the studio here. <laughs> like, must I? <laughs> Without revealing anything too personal, I mean, uh, we talked about maybe seeing what would a good investment be straight out of college, but um, stocks, did anybody invest in stocks? They wish they hadn't yeah. have Sitting here right now, I'm sorry, Dan, I, I, you go, you go first. Are you talking specifically about investments? It, well, or about anything? Anything, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was related to money since yeah. that's the topic at Actually, hand. Actually, uh, the one thing that I, I'm guilting of is uh, not saving early enough. Uh, you know, coming out of college and even before college, I, I didn't have uh, the discipline, honestly, to, to save. And uh, even out of college and after, you know, working a little while, then, you know, working in the financial world, then I began to realize that, you know, the magic of compounding interest, uh, I started to save. So it took me probably longer than I probably should have being, a, being a, an accountant and a finance person to, um, to realize that, you know, putting money away would be a good thing. Now, with that said, once I learned my lesson, I started to, um, I did start to diversify and things. So, you know, I have managed to, uh, to, to invest in some real estate. Um, and I honestly, I don't dabble with the stock market anymore at all. Uh, and, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it's just, 
you know, for the common investors, probably like most of us, we just don't have the information really to be ahead of the curve to really uh, understand when to buy and when to sell. I, I think it's investing in stock market, you know, if you're just investing in stock market, I, to me, it's almost like gambling. It sure looks that way from an outsider's point of view. I mean, also, and certainly the times that I've been an insider in that, it, it looks exactly like you call your stockbroker. Because I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's two kinds of people that, that deal with their money. The ones that call their stockbroker to figure out what to do and the ones that call their financial planner to, do, to figure out what to do. And without being, you know, judgmental, <laughs> it probably makes more sense to call your financial planner first, maybe. The, the to lines, devise your plan? Yeah, and that's a good point because it, we have all the licenses. I have the license to be a stockbroker, and probably the stockbroker has the licenses to be a financial advisor or financial planner. It gets really fuzzy, but to follow Dan's um, comments and what you had asked earlier, personally, myself sitting here, I lost a lot of money during the tech bubble. Okay. And so that's why... Those if, lessons are painful. Exactly. And that's why we've chosen in our firm, our career path for ourselves and for our clients are safer money investing. But we're not... I'm licensed to uh, recommend stocks, buy and sell stocks. But as Dan said earlier, th we don't have enough information to be able pr to predict the trends and what happens. It's very, very specialized. You've got to have a lot of resources available to you. And for, for most of our clients, they're at the point of their life that they've worked hard. They've built this stuff up. There's no time for do-overs. We can't mess it up. So we want to make sure that we give them a steady return rather than those gyrations of ups and downs. Well, you said there's no time to make it up. Are you, with with your client base and just people in general that you advise in your seminars, are you finding that folks are really having to try to make up some lost? Exactly. I, I get a kick out of this. I, you know, it's kind of humorous, but it's not a funny situation where I have people who come to our office and I said, well, tell me, how, how is your portfolio doing? They're saying, oh, I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm doing great. I'm saying, really? And that this is prior to the six months. Right. I said, well, tell me a little bit about what's happened. He said, well, I'm just getting back to where I was in oh. 2007. I'm like, wait a minute. It, you went through all the fees and charges and commissions just to be back to where you are? Right. And what if we have another 2008? So uh, the key is to really be aware of how much risk you're taking. So you don't have to take all that extra risk to try to make it up. Well, so do you think investment's going to be different for the future generations? Oh, absolutely. It's getting more and more complicated. Uh, of course, on the good side, there are newer products coming out. Okay. Uh, the baby boomers are having a huge influence, and the demographics are having a huge influence on these companies to deliver newer and more innovative products. We did not have products uh, that, that are available to us 20 years ago to guarantee income with flexibility. So, and that's where you have to make sure you're talking to an advisor that is very specialized in what is important to you. So for our clients, if income planning is important, you gotta make sure, if they're in that age group, you gotta make sure that you're talking to someone who specializes in that area. Okay, now really quickly, let's touch on your website. What is your website? Um, our website is being remodeled as we speak, but I think our old one is still open. It's it is. It's kananiadvisorygroup.com. And that is spelled K-A- 
N-A-N-I, KananiAdvisoryGroup.com. And you also have a telephone number for um, reservations for the seminars. <clears throat> and that number is 877-829-9227. And what a good way to start, which would be just to go listen to some of those seminars and see if that's something you want to know more about and possibly turn your turn your sights to when you're investing. Um, can you talk to us? Oh, yeah, let me see. What have we got here? <laughs> um, we were going to talk about the retirement savings program. You want to talk about that? Yes. Okay. Um, real quickly, because I think this will influence your listeners. Uh, one of my clients invited me to a meeting at UCI campus on March 22nd, which was sponsored by Fidelity Investments. And this really is pertaining to all the participants in the UCI retirement program. Okay. And um, in the room, there was about 25 to 30 investors that were really, really confused. So I thought, you know what, I, I need to bring, the, bring this to everyone's attention via thanks to you today on the radio. In fact, we're thinking about even putting an ad in the paper to offer consultation because What's going to happen is a Fidelity for uh, offering more cost-saving uh, mutual funds to their uh, participants. They're doing away with 128 of what they call non-institutional price mutual funds. Well, these are funds that some of these people have been investing in for years. So there's a lot of confusion going on right now about what to do. And there's two dates. One is June 14th and the other one is June 28th. June 14th is the date that if you are participating in the older funds, you have to make a choice by going into the new funds. And the new funds are in this brochure that I'm sure they can get through their retirement program to Fidelity. The, the pamphlet that I have in my hand, it says UCI Retirement Savings Program Fund Menu. So okay. what was reviewed in that meeting is there's really four items people need to be aware of. One is... If you are already in the what they call the UC pathway funds, there's no action to be needed to be taken. You can stay where you are. Um, if you are not, if you're on the old, older accounts, you have to make an election by June 14th. Well, the question then becomes, what do I do? Where do I go? How, what kind of advice do I get? Because again, remember these are retirees or people who are close to retirement. Then the other one is, uh, you can simply, if you're retired. You can move your money with Fidelity or to any individual self-directed IRA outside the system without any tax consequence as a rollover. So the key points here are that everyone needs to be aware of they need to sit down and talk to someone before June 14th. By June 28th, they will automatically move the funds from what they're not offering to the new uh, core funds. To a product that they are offering? Yeah, the choice of the pathway funds is what they call them. And so for everybody, the choice is really going to be different because they have to make a calculation as exactly. to how, you know, what their, uh, what the amount of time they need to invest for. Let's talk about that for a little bit. There is um, a way you come up with a number for um, how much you need to retire. Is there... Um, you know, I, is it related to what we're talking about enough to go into that, or should well we? uh, to f to finish the previous thought? Okay, the point here that. is that before you make a change, make sure you either contact Fidelity, or sit down with your advisor, or cer certainly at the number that you provided, we offer that free consultation, a one-hour consultation to advise people to see what's the best choice they have to make. But as far as what choices and and how much money they need, 
it gets a little bit more involved. We need to sit down and plan because we need to know what is the longevity with that client. What is the expectation of the life expectancy? At least have an idea there. How much money do they need to have? And what is going to be their expenses in related to what they need to have? And uh, at the end of the day, what do we have to work with? But the rule of thumb is that if you take 3 to 4% of your investable assets, that money should last you for a long, long time, hopefully by your life expectancy. Now, the key here is that for some, we'll say, well, 3 to 4% is not enough. I need more. And that's where we come in because our goal for our portfolios are 5 to 6%. And that can make a huge difference. Okay. Um, let's see. Where can we go from here? Um, Let's see. We're making our way through our list. Well, I think that's a huge bit of information that you just exchanged, especially for our faculty members that are probably on this. Is UCI going to have another seminar with respect to this, or they just did that one? They did not announce that. And that's why when I left that room, I talked to, I was consulting with my clients. I said, really, I wish there was a way that could, I could reach out to these people. And I, obviously, I have a vested interest. We were wanting to... Uh, acquire more clients but I think when I when I was looking at that room there were some folks that were frustrated they were confused about what should I do where do I go did they feel like the rug was being taken out from under them because they couldn't use the vehicle that they had chosen the fund that they had chosen at first I don't know if you could say that it was just that it was a um, you know we don't like change and uh, I could say that fidelity uh, they're they're providing more of a um, um, lower more efficient pricing vehicle uh, perhaps by the direction of UCI as their employer. But the idea was that, you know, most of these people were, like, doing this for many, many years in the same funds. So they were, like, lost as far as where should I go now. Okay. And um, if you're just tuning in, we're wrapping up a discussion with uh, David Kanani and Dan Wood. They are with the Kanani Advisory Group, and their website is kananiadvisorygroup.com, and that is spelled K-A. N-A-N-I, KananiAdvisoryGroup.com. There's also a number that you can call if you're interested in attending a seminar um, on any of the topics that we've discussed. You have more than one seminar that you focus um, for your client base and for anybody that's interested in just learning more. That number is 877 829 We have about four minutes left before our show closes. Any you know final thoughts you want to share? Well, you know, to sum it all up, if you if you are young and you're just working out, uh, starting to your career to work, uh, please be disciplined to put that money aside. As Dan mentioned earlier, if I knew what I knew today myself, uh, the, the world would be completely different. I've learned a lot from my clients, from those wealthy individuals that we talked about earlier. So for the younger folks, make sure you're putting that money aside. Most important for people who are now retired or close to retirement, make sure you're talking to an advisor that specializes in what's important to you, not what the advisor is generally doing. That is huge. That is a big difference. It can make a monumental difference in what the success of your retirement plan would be. So give me some examples of what some of those differences would be from individual to individual. Well, again, make sure that the advice that you're getting is from an advisor that is attuned to your age group. Uh, In our weekly meetings that we have, generally the average age of our client is 55 to about 70 years old. 
that's our our client so if someone comes 50 years old I'm gonna say listen we got a young one today and and they get a kick out of that so generally we help people who are either retired or close to retirement so we're very much attuned to what their needs are and not taking that unnecessary risk that they don't have to but wouldn't you think if they came to you at that point they've come a little too late uh, for some yes and we see that all the time but obviously if if whatever nest egg they've worked hard to build at that point we just don't want to lose that so okay. see, advice becomes very critical as i said earlier is we just don't want to mess it up we don't want to sacrifice another 30 percent loss of whatever little they have just because we had another 2008 okay um can you share with me some final thoughts on the market Ooh. okay um <laughs> Everything that I read and all the meetings that we go to, we're getting a word of cautious because we're judging the health of the economy by the stock market. And we've had a tremendous run in the stock market in the last six months. I mean, we keep beating high records. So my, my word of cautious is our economy is still not healthy. We still have higher unemployment. We still have a huge national debt. We're spending more money than basically we're making. The baby boomers are retiring. Social Security, Medicare is going to have a huge, huge problem on their hands. So all this stuff hasn't gone away. It's still there. So be careful when it comes to investing in the stock market. I think we're going to be looking at volatility, continued volatility in the stock market. For a long time. What do you think the reason is that it's not as um, omnipresent in the media that they're talking about how much we're overspending in this country? You know, it's like that's, they dropped the topic. Yeah, that's because right now the market is going up, so everybody's happy. Now, we are seeing some recovery. There are some signs of that. Obviously, unemployment has got a lot better in the last six months, but we still have a lot of work to do. We have to be... Uh, my, ma- my main thing, without getting too political, is we just have to be careful about what we're spending. Right, and that's that's right down to the little guy all the way up to the big guys, exactly. too. And exactly. um, that really can't be said enough, can it? No, no. No, and, and if our financial planners, are you saving more than the 10%? Do you feel like a sense of urgency when you're in this business and facing it every day to just put away that much more? Exactly. I mean, honestly, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've been so blessed in the 27 years. I've had some wonderful clients great relationships we work with a lot of high net worth very humble individuals and i've learned a lot from them so i've kind of taken away a lot of that from my own personal savings and uh, hopefully i will continue to be fruitful wonderful all right well david kanani and dan Wu, i'm so thankful that you came in today to share Thank a bit you. of that wisdom and of course that nugget that we had for uci uh, pensions and the fidelity funds great way to become informed here and to learn more about that those dates coming up again the first one was june 14th that you needed to make an important decision by and the second one was uh june 28th where they were going to make a decision for you really so um being proactive on 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 the uh, Fidelity funds and making those choices. They're doing away with over 100 products, right? 128, 128 funds, that, funds that they've had in their, in their program. Wonderful. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank I you, Kimberly. Thank you both being here. Thank you for having us. So I'll just say a quick word about our fund drive here at KUCI. Um, we are in the midst of it. We have a few more days to go, and we want um, we want to encourage you. Oh, look, one of my friends came into the studio. Heather's here. Say hello, Heather. 
Hello, so this is uh, Heather, and uh, yeah, I feel like real people of Orange County and all the work that Kimberly and I have done, mostly Kimberly on this show. Um, 949-824-5824 is the number here to reach us at Studio A, and we have a lovely volunteer ready to answer your phones for a $35 pledge. You can become a member of KUCI and um, get a CD or a t-shirt, and that's a very low uh, entry price to getting swag. So yes. <laughs> 949-824-5824 if you want to support the talk that Kimberly does and all of us do it here at KUCI and also um, the music as well. So 949-824-5824. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you. Where do I go from here? Are you uh, going to counterspin? So <laughs> Matt Kaplan and Counterspin Radio is coming up. Do you have something else you want to say? Okay. <laughs> all right. We're good. We're going to take some photos in here. And... Um, so I'm going to let, uh, should I turn this over to you? Yeah, you can turn it over to me. Okay, all right. Well, listen, thank you, and um, consider donating and pledging to KCI. We really appreciate it.